Welcome to Bound by Books, a round robin of four authors. I'm with author Sherry Hayes, and we are talking about adaptations, books to movies, what was good, what was bad, and why it matters to authors. So, hey, Sherry, how are you doing today? Hey, Marianne, I'm good. I'm good. We're we're thawing out here in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, the same here, except we've got massive fog going on, massive fog. Oh, so yeah. for aspiring authors and people who are just kind of uh, mid-listers and so forth, it's kind of a pipe dream, wouldn't you say, to have one of your books become a movie? I think when you're, when you're starting out, yeah, that's kind of... <sighs> I think when you're growing up, especially if you're a creative person and you you write, you 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 go to the movies and you see these stories on this big screen, and you just kind of think, "Wow, it'd be so cool if one of my stories was up there, like this. It was made into a movie, uh, or it was on television, or, or or what, so that all the world could see it." The reality, however, <laughs> it's a little bit bleaker. Yeah. Um, which is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I, I know I have, I've had a lot of people, a lot of readers over the years, ask me, uh, ask me about that, like say, Oh, it'd be so cool to have your finding Anna series in, which is my most popular series, um, uh, be, uh, have a movie made out of it. And at first I was like, Oh yeah, it would be cool. But then I really started thinking about it. And I'm like, the series is so emotionally uh, heavy, mm-hmm. I guess is the word I want to say. It's not really cinematically diverse and cinematically exciting. It is very much internal. There's a lot of stuff that's happening on an internal emotional level. And I don't think that really works very well in a uh cinematic or television type way. Um, what do you think? Yeah. Do you have, have you had readers? Uh, I've had readers. Yeah. I've had readers and I've also had a couple of, a couple of my editors. Um, I, I use passionate ink as one of my editors and um, the company has a proofreader who's by the name of Nan. And she always comes back with commentary goes, Oh my God, I could see it as a movie. I could see it as a movie. And, you know, she, especially she, when they, they did blood legacy and when they did condemned because there's there, 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 mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of dark parts to that and uh, mm-hmm. you know, redemptive parts to that. And, but, um, and a lot of history involved in yeah, those I was going to say, I could see, I could see, in Condemned, especially when he's, you know, we're in the history mode where we flash back to him as a uh, Templar Knight. Yeah, Templar Knight um, and the fighting and being in the desert and everything. I could see that cinematically in my head too when I was reading it. So I do understand that part. But again, I think that would work better cinematically than what you know, my, my finding in a series would be. So I think, I think again, it kind of, that's the first thing. Does your book even work cinematically? Because think, not all books do. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with, with um, how much, when it comes to your character's growth and development, you know, how much introspection mm-hmm. there is um, and also has to do with how much detail um, mm-hmm. you put in your book, how much description you put in your book. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it can be over the top. I mean, we were, you know, but, and, and we'll get to that because there are a couple of movies that were, um, 
that were, in my opinion, and I'm going to make sure that that is qualified in my personal Everything's opinion. our opinions, by the way. Everything. <laughs> that, Disclaimer. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and I think it, it has an awful lot to do with it because it's. I think it's uh, the mediums, while books feed, um, you know, uh, movies and screenplays, mm-hmm. um, the mediums are not, they, they don't necessarily, it's not like hand in glove. No, you know, because a screenplay is anywhere between 100 and 120. It's around an average 120 pages. You know, it could be a little more. It could be a little less, but it's an average of 120 pages and 120 pages. And it's usually double spaced. Um, you know, because there's a lot of, you know, exit stage left, exit stage right, you know, like mm-hmm. a, you know, directives that are going on and so forth. Um, it, it, you, how do you take a 300 or a 400 page book and condense it down to 120 pages? You know, because you figure you got two mm-hmm. hours, you know, to a get lot of all, chopping. Yes, there's a lot of chopping. And there's also, a, there's a lot, they, and it, it comes down to, the you know the director is the one that has to say of what wants to go in what what doesn't mm-hmm. what goes in and what doesn't go in you know and uh, right. you know um, I happen to have an acquaintance uh, that most people do know um, you know E L James Erica she's a uh, an acquaintance of mine that I met on Clubhouse and um, she's part of a chat group that I'm I'm involved with and she and I are friends on Facebook you know um, but like I have to qualify it it's just acquaintance. Um, and she did, we were having a conversation one morning and uh, she was telling me that when she was doing Fifty Shades, that being a writer on a, on a movie is a thankless job, that they are, this is her words, 10 a penny. And that if they, you know, mm-hmm. and that they will, you will be the first person cut without them even batting an eye and they'll bring another one in to finish the writing. So mm-hmm. I think it comes down to um, yeah. whether or not it's money versus craft. You know, in terms of yeah. wanting to wanting to get your 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 work on the big screen or even on the little screen in terms of Netflix mm-hmm. and what have you. Um, yeah, you know, I do I, think that I do think that that's that's something that ha- has to kind of be looked at is that if you are going to if you are going to pursue that, you have to be you have to think what are you willing to give up on your story? Are you because once you once you sign the rights over. It is up to them. It doesn't belong to you anymore. How, yeah, it's up you to them as to how much you, you as the original creator, you, how much input you are, you're allowed. Now, some are really good about it. And you can tell that from the end work. We're going to talk a little bit about that. You can tell how much the original author's work was valued as more than just an inspiration piece, but actually for the, the, the crafted project that they did, the world that they did, the characters they created versus those who are like, oh, this is a pretty, you know, this is a pretty good basic plot line. I'm going to take just these couple elements of it and I'm going to just completely change it up and make it make it a whole new story and put it out there and just call it that so that I can get this audience or inspired by, right. of, you know, you know, and it's, right. it's something that is, um, you know, it's a, it's a little hard to take because you're right. You mm-hmm. sell your rights. That's it. Your baby's gone. You've sold your baby and you don't yeah. have any rights. Yeah. And it's, and there very, are very few. Yes. That'll, very that'll f- that. I was going to say far and few between also that mm-hmm. the author 
will be kept on kept on staff yes. on, on the writing staff in order to be able to guide the screenplay you know, and the dailies mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, one of the things that Erica did say is that by the time she got to producing Freed, she was one of the actual producers. So therefore she had more say yeah. in what was being done. But mm-hmm. it's like, it's like anything else. You, 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 you learn as you go, you know, that type of a thing. Yeah. So, and, and like Passion Flicks, which is a movie production studio that specifically produces movies based on romance novels that's what they do they don't do anything else they don't come up with their own stuff they don't do any it's all that and then they do show it's a subscription service for those who don't know um and other than producing their own new movies based on romance novels they also uh play on their site uh other romance movies that have, you know, in the past, you know, older movies that have, have been popular, but I have heard that they are one of the few that work with the author from start to finish. I've never heard of them, but that's good to know. That they, they actually uh, involve the author in the entire process. The author is often on, on set during the the filming and all of that um so they are one of the few but if you're going with a bigger studio the big studio that is not what you should expect at all now no (laughs) we wanted to talk about some things some of the movies books to movie adaptations that um some that were done well and some that not so well um, now I will say, let's start with, well, because I got a feeling that we can go on quite a ways with the not so well. <laughs> so let's get, let's start with the done well. I will say that I think that this isn't a big screen, but this is a little screen. I think the Outlander books to move books to TV show was done and is being done very well very well yes i agree um now one of the reasons i think that is is because the diana is part of it (laughs) she's part of it but the directors and the producers are also fans of the books yep it isn't like somebody brought them and said hey i think this would be really good source material this was oh my goodness i love this story and we've got to you know this would be really awesome to put you know make into a, a tv show tv yep. series yep so the passion shows through i think yeah i have to say though as the, as the so. seasons have gone by um the very first mm-hmm. outlander se- uh, outlander season where they did book one where claire mm-hmm. was thrown back in time and she mm-hmm. first meets jamie and so forth um and even even the most horrific portions of it like when um he was in Wentworth prison uh unbelievably close to the books unbelievably yeah they didn't shy away from anything which is something you see a lot in the movies when you have a really difficult scene in a book that could be really graphic or horrendous or emotionally just just tears the characters apart too often 
in movies they seem to gloss over it, which I think is really, really odd. Like, I don't know what it is, but it just seems odd to me that a lot of times the most emotional, and we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to some of the not so great ones. I will, I will be bringing that topic up again as another example. But I do think in an Outlander, that is one of the things they did not shy away. I mean, they were very... They didn't yeah. like say, oh, she went back in time and it was just great. Yeah, she was a little disoriented and she ran into these Highlanders. No, and no, I think, yeah. no, it was. They got down and dirty and nitty gritty. Yeah. And even in later yeah. ones where she's abducted and she and she's basically abused you know just over and yeah. over and over again you know she has to go to a part in her a place in her mind so that she doesn't snap and what's going on because she's waiting to you know she's not sure if she's going to die or she's going to be rescued or what have you um and some of it's really difficult to watch i mean reading mm-hmm. it in the book was one thing because it's just mm-hmm. you in the book it's you in the words and you are um whether you're you know and it, it you're you can you can envision what you need to envision in your head and you can kind of read very quickly and kind of you know but when you're watching it and they've actually made it visual it becomes visceral at that point in time there are mm-hmm. certain scenes in the lander um stars films you know the the, the the series that i can't watch but i can mm-hmm. read and that's and yeah. I, you know and i wonder you know and it's just it's because when you see it it's like it's it's seared into your head but when you read it you kind of you, you might you might forget a little bit about how visceral it was. I mean, it's horrible mm-hmm. when you're reading it at that point in time, but then it kind of goes away. I don't know. But um, you can also you can also like you said, you can read over it quickly. Like you can kind of skim through and get the gist of what's going on without having to read every single word. You can't really do that. I mean, obviously, you can hit fast forward. But it's harder, I guess, a little in some ways to do that on when you're in a visual medium like that because you are seeing it whether you want to or not it's not like you're skipping and you can't unsee it once you see it exactly anyway but that that is that is definitely a very very good example of why Mm -hmm. it worked why it it hit on such a visceral level is because they stayed true to the books Mm -hmm. as much as a medium and they built the characters i think that was another reason why it worked so well is because they did not gloss over building of the characters now i know we're going to talk about things but let's do it let's jump a little bit let's do a complete contrast to that and as to where i think did not do a good job for characters or in i've got a bunch so you want to pick one (laughs) well let's let's do another kind of really popular one twilight let's look at twilight the books were so much better yes, than the movies. Yes. Although yes. I have to say, I have to qualify that a little bit. The very last one, this movie movie number seven, that they, the one that they had to split in half or whatever it was. Mm, yeah, know, movie the, number the, yeah, four, was it four, uh, four, yeah, four, four and five. five. Right? Yeah, I get four confused. and five. Um, anyway, when it that because I guess because it became big budget at that point mm-hmm. in time, they were a lot that the, cinematically they put so much into the CGI and whatnot that it was. If you go back and you watch the first Twilight movie and then you watch, you know, uh, Breaking Dawn point one part one, well, Breaking Dawn part two, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, part one and part two. It's cinematically a blockbuster. Oh, cinematically. Yes. Visually, okay. it, it, it definitely the movies got better 
as they went along. However, right. I think story-wise, I'm not really sure they got all that much better because uh, they no, they, really, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't establish their characters again. Like we're talking about with Outlander, Outlander was so so specific in building that character building those characters making us care even if you've never read the books making you care about the characters about jamie and claire yeah and they did not do that with edward and bella i I mean they 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 spent I, i was i was talking to someone and i was i was trying to explain to them about twilight because they had only seen the movie they had never read the book and I said, how could you appreciate it? You can't. Right, exactly. And I said, let me put it this way. I said, in the book, the last, the last, the, the fight scene that happens with James and Victoria and Laurent, the whole big thing at the end of the first book, that takes place over the course of about three chapters. It was a half an hour of a two-hour movie. I I mean, so you could tell that from a movie standpoint, that's what they were focusing on. They just wanted, the whole thing was they just wanted to get to the fight scene. They didn't care about building the romance, the relationship, the connection between Edward and Bella. They just knew they needed to get through that in order to get to the fight scene. That was all they cared about was that fight scene. All of the, all of the character development and the relationship building that went on between the two characters, like, uh, like they completely cut the whole scene where Mm -hmm. she went to go, they were doing blood typing and she, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and he, he didn't show up for class and she got lightheaded and they ended up cutting class and going and talking. They, they, they had 10 minutes of that when they were, when they were on the rocks and he was talking about how, you know, his family is more like vegetarians, you know, that type of a mm-hmm. thing. And it, so the, it was pretty, pretty horribly done in terms of what they chose to keep yeah. in and what they chose to, yeah, the, to the leave building, out. The relationship building was just sped through so quickly. And it was like, you just really did not get like, it, it felt insta-lovey. Yes. The movie felt very insta-lovey, which is not how the book reads. The book reads that they had an instant connection but lots of romances and lots of things have an instant connection, whether it's attraction or whether it's just like you just feel this pull to this person, like you're really interested in them and, and something just make this curiosity about them. Lots of books have that. I, those aren't books I would qualify as insta-love. And that's how I read Twilight as a book. But when you watch the movie, it's like she sees him boom she's like fascinated by him she has to be close to him she has to like there's this uh, type level right and it's just like boom 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 fight <laughs> the, the revelation about him and who he is and what he is takes longer in the book so Much therefore longer. yeah so therefore it 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 um it strengthens how much how much time they spend together before he actually mm-hmm. before the scene when he's like, what do I, you know, mm-hmm. ask yourself the one question, what do we eat? You know, so yeah. that's one yeah. that I could that you and I could definitely agree that the books were way, way, way much better. So yeah. and again, that's another that's another example that as an aspiring author, as a newbie author, midlist author, if you are looking to potentially try to sell your rights to to your story 
you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if right. you're going to get an Outlander or if you're going to get a Twilight. And well, you need I mean, to be prepared for and that. the other thing is too, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen Beautiful Creatures or read Beautiful Creatures, but I have done both. It's uh, the, the author is there. Um, one of the authors is Kemi Garcia. And okay. um, the other one is the, is um, um, the Percy Jackson movies. Now, mm-hmm. and one of the things I have to say about, you know, I do like, you know, some of these YA movies. I do. It's kind of a, a thing of mine. I do. Um, but like the difference between those two and even with the with uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which is another one that I've that I read as well as watched. Um, those three that I just mentioned. They the, the, the characters, especially with the Percy Jackson and the Miss Peregrine. The characters are young. They're like, you know, 11 years old. And they they age them up for a forced romance to put that element mm. of romance in the story. I mean, Percy is like 11, you know, when he come, when he goes to the, you know, to the Camp Half-Blood, you know, he's not 17. You know, he doesn't fall in love with Annabelle because in, in the books, she's just a friend, you know, same thing with the with the characters, Miss Peregrine, because they have to have that romance element or else it won't sell. You know, and the teenagers mm-hmm. won't go see it. Whereas one of the things that I love about Harry Potter is he's 11 in the books and he's, he's 11 on the screen and they, mm-hmm. they develop along with him, you know, and any romance happens, you know, towards the later, the later ends. And it's, it's not the most important thing in the book, you know, right. you know, and uh, I think the Hunger Games is too, but I, I, I'd only skimmed those books where they made the characters older. You know, I, but those two, especially Percy Jackson and Miss Peregrine. Now, beautiful creatures. Mm-hmm. They, the cinematically, the book, the cinematically, the movie was good, but the book was so much better, so much mm-hmm. more detail involved in that. Yeah, I think I've seen that movie, but I've never read the book, and I, I, I seem to recall thinking the movie was okay. Like I, I wasn't like, I wasn't like pulled in. I felt like probably for the exact reasons we're talking about again i haven't read the book seen the movie but i felt that the that things some things were just too forced like they were wanting me wanting to lead me in a certain direction without doing the groundwork of establishing the character and the character connections that, that is- i needed in order for it to be impactful. Now, that is something that if you're, you know, like I said, like we would mentioned before, it becomes a difference between, is it dollars and cents? Is it money? Or is it craft? Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, you get both. If you're not, then you have to decide what's most important to you. The other thing is, I can remember being at Undead Con. It had to be, I don't know, 10 years ago that I was at Undead Con and we're at the ball afterwards. And I, you know, was standing in the, in the VIP room because I, you know, I was at that time, I was president of the Paranormal Romance Guild. And um, I had managed to get all of the, the authors that had gone with me um, and were on the panels there, you know, uh, VIP uh, status. So we happened to be up there with, with, you know, Anne Rice. And at the time, Sherry Kenyon was there, Sherilyn Kenyon. And mm-hmm. Sherilyn is another acquaintance of mine. She's, she and I have become acquaintances over the years. And um, I remember somebody was talking and they were basically saying, oh, well, you know, in order for your book to become popular, the answer is to get it optioned for film. 
because nothing will, will skyrocket your sales, like being optioned for film. And or even you know, and then somebody else was arguing. Well, isn't that usually the other way around? That they're not going to be interested in your book unless you are already a popular author. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, it's like it's like at that point in time, what do you do? I mean, yeah, you, I guess you could option your book, and you you get a flat fee. You know, whether it's between fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars for the option. And then you wait for the option to expire. And then you could always put it out there to try and option it again. So you could make money that way. But mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know one person that has optioned their book for film and had it go nowhere that it helped their sales. You know, I don't know one person. And I've had a couple of friends of mine whose books mm -hmm. have been optioned. So, you know, I can't speak to experience with that because I haven't been. But at the same time, it just doesn't seem like, you know, I guess it becomes a chicken egg type of a thing. What comes, what comes first? So I will, I will, yeah. I mean, I will, I would think again, no, no experience in the option thing, but I would think from a logical perspective that yes, you could, uh, you could get option, you know, option your book for film um, or TV. And if it does get picked up, then yeah, it, it could, you know, your book sales could skyrocket. That would make sense. However, A, if that's the order of things, my, I doubt you're going to get that much money for the book because you have less bargaining power when you sit down at the bar, at the table, because you, you are not, yes, your story is being brought to the table to be optioned, but you don't have the readership that there. I mean, think about this, go back to Twilight. Think of how they had record, you know, record breaking sales for a YA romance in the theaters because of Stephanie Meyer's readers. It had right. nothing to do with the studio. The studio was a small studio. Summit back then was this indie studio that had very, very little, you know, oomph behind it. And Stephanie Meyer had millions reader had purchased her books so those are what they were bringing it you know they knew that if they did this that they would at least have some sort of built-in viewership built-in viewership if you don't have that what are you bringing what bargaining chip are you bringing to the table why should they offer you you know a million dollars or whatever they're going to offer you why, why should they offer you a decent price for your you know for your book they could just offer you $5,000 and hey, they can go out there and produce something. And if it makes, you know, makes them a hundred million dollars, they don't, you know, they bought your book that they bought your story, your, your, I think, whereas you, if you have millions of potential fans that you're bringing to the table, you have a better bargaining chip. Right. So from a, from my perspective, again, I would think it would be much better to, have the readership establish the readership at least a solid readership you don't necessarily i don't think have to be a stephanie meyer or diana gabaldon in order to have a valid approachable um you know option product. you know yeah. product to option but you i think you do still need to have a solid reader base and a solid foundation because that is going to give you better bargaining power if you actually get to that point. I agree. And I think you also need a really good agent that, that handles that hand that mm -hmm. handles film rights. 
you know, and TV rights yes. and so forth, because have somebody don't, who knows what they're doing. Don't go in there and try to bargain for yourself because it ain't happening. So, I mean, there's a bunch of other ones. I mean, like, and some of them when you're, you don't, when there's not much meat on the bone, you know, what, I don't know what they could possibly do to the, do to the book, you know, like if it's just a basic romance, you know, mm-hmm. I, I they could, they could judge it up, I'm sure. Um, but, I mean, then there's other ones too, like, you know, uh, that are not, I wouldn't say public domain, but they're almost like public domain, like all the Jane Austens, you know, mm-hmm. I happen to love what they did with the Jane Austens in the, in the past, you know, they have uh, pride and prejudice has been done over and over and over again, but my favorite one is still the one with Kira Knightley, you know, mm-hmm. and, and um, I forget his first name, but his last name's McFarland, but uh, it just, he's, they're just amazingly wonderful mm-hmm. in it. And uh, um, yeah. But yeah, there's been some good ones. There's been some good ones done with Jane Eyre, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so but I, um, yeah. I, I have to say, you know, the, the difference is, is that I'm like with Sense and Sensibility, which is another favorite of mine in uh, Jane Austen, they take a book that was written, I guess, uh, whatever it is, it's like, you know, uh, 180 years ago or whatever, because it takes place in the in, the, in like the 1820s or 1810. Mm-hmm. Or is, and they they make the characters appealing for modern audiences. And that's not always easy to do, you know, with a period piece. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, it, it just, it speaks to how, um, I guess, transcendent the work was that Jane Austen did, you know, you have, it, it, you have to like that kind of work, that kind of stuff. And I do, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of classics. Yes. Um, you like history yeah. a lot. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I just think it's, I, th- I think they, they, they have to bring that element to the screenwriting. Now, speaking of screenwriting, it's a completely different animal. Like we said, 120 page average, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's a different animal than, than, than fiction writing and novel writing and even, or even novella writing. It's completely well, different. One of um, the big, big differences is that the, again, in, in, in novel writing, it is up to the author to use words to create the surroundings, the scene, the feel of what you are. Whereas in a screenplay, it's not. It is no, the cinematic. Sets. Yeah, it's the, it's the set. <laughs> the person yeah. in charge of the set and the, to actually create, the, you know, or the location, the person who's scouting yeah. locations or what have you, it, it's their responsibility. It's that's not really part of no. the screenplay. No, as itself. authors, as authors, it, it, it begins and ends with us on how we plan, plunge our reader into our world. And that mm-hmm. world building is done completely with words. And mm-hmm. in order to evoke whatever emotions we're trying to convey on the page um, and set the scenes. So, and so the fact that it's, a, you know, the, the screenwriters are not worried about that. There's set designers that are taking care of that. So, it, it, mm-hmm. you know, they have to, if they, you know, meshing. Yeah. Has it been done where this, where the scenes are, the, the scenes are better than the dialogue. Yeah. There's been plenty of times in, when you've watched something where the cinematography just completely outweighs the, the, the dialogue. A lot, actually. You know? I, I would so, say that happens, happens a lot where the dialogue just kind of gets, especially, I will say, especially in more action focused movies uh, in recent years, there a lot, there's a lot of focus on the CGI. Mm-hmm instead of uh the like i said the character building 
the dot and the dialogue is part of that because going back to twilight they took out like so much dialogue between edward and bella and that that was building the relationship that was building the whole foundation for the rest of the series so that you cared about these two's the relationship the risks that they were both taking and it just it almost became comical the way they were they portrayed it in some respects because um you just didn't get the feeling like in the books you could feel edward's struggle with wanting to be close to her but yet not being able to well i mean then you could talk about things like game of thrones okay i loved it i absolutely loved the movie or the book or both well i i am i'm probably one of one of a very few people who have read the books okay um george rr martin is a genius who absolutely walks the line and sometimes steps a toe over into insanity Okay, he's just he is he's a freaking genius that you're Don't like all you, authors like like you're wondering, <laughs> okay, dude, I would really be scared to take a walk around your house, yeah, around your around your mm. your brain, you know, your the your home base here. Um Song of Fire and Ice. He will take a chapter to describe a sunset. So I mean ten thousand words to you know <laughs> and it's he I mean I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's like he <laughs> his detail is so detailed that you're like this, you know, okay, let's get to the, let's get to the meat of the story here. Um, They managed to take his epic and create this amazing, amazing cinemagraph, cinematography. I don't even, I can't even speak on just how wonderfully they did it, how wonderfully they adapted it, but they had to cull it down and, and they had to, they had to get to the, the meat of the story while keeping the feel of this intense, insightful, unbelievably deep world that he that he that he brought to to his readers in his books, mm-hmm. but at the same time to be able to keep their attention. You know, because mm-hmm. don't forget, reading is a little bit more of a an art form than than sitting there watching a movie. You know, it it you know you need it it, it requires effort to read as opposed to just sitting and watching a movie. Um, but with other books where there was no meat on the bone, all right. Mm-hmm. Practical Magic is another one. If anybody has read the book, not the not the book based on the movie, but the actual book. Uh, you know, for practical, practical magic. Mm-hmm. It has absolutely almost nothing to do with the movie. Nothing. There's, there's a, a, a there's a, a two sisters and one of them is a homebody and one of them is a, you know, kind of a skank, you know, um, just lost, you know, and, and, and feels mm-hmm. like her only worth is in her sexuality. And then there's the two aunts. And then, but there, what, what happens in that book, in that book is nothing like what happens in the movie. They, Mm. they, you know, uh, I, I believe her name is Robin Seward or Swigert or something like that is the, is the, 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 um, screenwriter. Mm -hmm. She created an amazing movie and an amazing screenplay from 
nothing, nothing. from bare bones because the book was nothing like it at mm-hmm. all. I was, this was a book that I was just like, are you kidding me? You know, I expected it to be just as, as, as rich and full and fulfilling. Well, you would think it would movie. be ba- more, it's more so because again, on the whole books tend to be better than the movies. Yes, absolutely. They just, they just do because again, you can dive into those character profiles and the emotion and you just you get that connection usually yeah more than you do with a with a movie and but that is there are exceptions there are exceptions now i will say um the book and the movie no country for old men that was that was to me a fairly accurate representation of the book that was one of the absolute few now that was that book is by Cormac McCarthy I read it in book club years ago and when the movie came out I was like oh, I'm gonna check it out I didn't really love the book but again it was just because it was my cup of tea not because it was a bad book now contrast that with Cormac McCarthy's book The Road which I loved but they made that into a movie and the movie sucked but you know why because the book was all about the interaction and the relationship, the conversation, the dialogue between the father and son as they traveled. And they decided in the movie that there wasn't enough action. So they added a bunch of stuff in there that had nothing to do with what happened with the book. And they lost the character development. They lost the relationship strength that was there. And so it completely (laughs) fell apart, in my opinion. Yeah. And like in in Practical Magic in the book, there's like almost no magic. There's no witchcraft. It's like Mm. it's it's just, you know, it's mentioned here or there. It's um, it's unbelievable how what what that screenwriter was able to build from almost nothing, you know. And but yet at the same time, you get the other side, which is like what we're talking about with Game of Thrones, where they had so much rich description to the point where it was overkill um, Mm -hmm. that they had to pare down in order to have it work on screen but yet they managed to keep that that intensity and managed to keep this just just a transcendent I mean I mean that that series Mm -hmm. from the music to the to the way that the that the the um uh, credits rolled at the very, be- you know, at the end, at, I mean, at the beginning, you know, the, the introduction and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. they built that world so that they yeah. just plunged you right into it. Um, and I would read the books again, but I would, I would probably still skim some of the, you know, some of it again. Right. So right. maybe I wouldn't have, if I had, if they didn't, if they never made it into a, into, a, into a show. Yeah, it, it's really it, it really kind of is, for lack of a better word, a crapshoot. So yeah. I guess I guess that's what we're going to leave you all with today is that just if you are an author that really, 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 really wants to see their book turned into a movie or a TV show or a Netflix series, um, A, it's very rare and very hard to do and can sometimes take years. I know it took Diana Gabaldon for her books over 20 years for her to uh, have her book get, even though she had been trying uh, to actually get it picked up and produced. Um, But 
go into it if you do with your eyes open, get an agent who knows what they're doing and also be very honest with yourself that you may or may not get a an end product that looks anything like your story. Right. Um, and that you will have absolutely no control over that. Right. Or very that, limited control. Right. Very limited control. Yeah. So, so uh, well, I hope you all enjoyed the conversation. We had fun with it. And I hope uh, if you are thinking about it, we gave you some more things to think about and consider um, going into it. Um, not sure what to next week's topic is going to be. You'll have to tune in next Monday at noon uh, Eastern time to see what that's going to be. Until next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.